The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies the voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We are dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. I'm your host, Amelia Breton, and today we're chatting with Samantha Lang. Samantha is a passionate agilist that wants people to be happy and productive at work. She looks to creative ways where people are able to be working with a purpose and meaning and joy. As an Agile coach, Samantha helps teams and individuals to do just this. Although her background is as a software developer, she uses Agile techniques with many different industries and teams. You can find Samantha regularly speaking at international Agile conferences. She is a published author and has produced several online courses focused on Agile and Scrum. She's also a delightful uh, Twitter friend. Thanks for chatting with us today, Samantha. We appreciate you being a guest on the Women in Agile podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. Glad to be here. Awesome. So how did you originally get into Agile? I think it all started with a course by Boris Gloger. He came to South Africa in about 2008, I think it was. And I went on a certified Scrum Master course and he changed my world. All of a sudden I was like, there's another way to do this. It doesn't have to be so hard. And I thought it was just magic. And I um, I went back to work and I was excited beyond belief. And then I managed to implement perfect waterfall Scrum in two weeks. <laughs> I think we all start out that way. <laughs> so so how did you grow from that? Uh, from there, I kind of, so things did get better with my, my magical waterfall scrum. Um, but it wasn't perfect. And I was very interested in this whole scrum thing. Agile came a bit later for me. Um, and as I started investigating it and getting more reading out there from the community and hearing about it, the more I wanted to be immersed in that. So I looked for a company that was um, working in this way and believed in it. And I went and interviewed at this one company and I got hired by Karen Greaves, who would then become my best friend and eventually my business partner. So yeah, kind of agile entered my life and then quickly changed my life. It's awesome. I think that's the case for so many of us. You sort of, it's like the sun emerges from the clouds and it's different. And this is what I've been looking for. So you've been yeah. around the Agile community for a while. Um, what have you observed about the role of women in our Agile community? Uh, well, I am a woman in the Agile community. <laughs> uh, it, it was tricky in the beginning. I will say that there, there weren't a lot of women in the Agile community, it was all men. I remember in the beginning, it was just blog posts by men. All the trainers were men. All the talks were men. That has definitely changed in the last few years. Um, I'm, I'm now actually seeing more women than men, which is amazing. With the exception of one conference that tweeted their all white male panel speaker list this morning. But <laughs> otherwise, it's been great. The women have really stepped up, and I think 
I think agile is a more natural fit for women because it's all about caring for people and that having that level of empathy, which I think comes more naturally to women than to men. So as agilists, we spend a ton of time caring for other people um, and fostering our teams um, and our organizations and giving a bunch of care to them. Um, but you've got a real interest in something that's very near and dear to my heart, and I think the hearts of many other Agilists, which is how do we then care for ourselves so that we can give care to others? Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what self-care means to you? Yeah, self-care is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I think most people I have spoken to have experienced some level of burnout at some stage of their lives. And they experience it in different ways and not just burnout. Um, I'm encountering more and more people who have realized that they suffer from anxiety or depression or that they're not actually an extrovert, they're an introvert and that all these scrum ceremonies is actually quite um, overpowering to them sometimes. So in the last year or so, I've been investigating this a lot more, I think because I was going through a bit of a, a downward spiral and not looking after myself. Mm -hmm. um, I proposed a track at Agile 2019 and it went on as an experimental track, the self-care track. And I didn't really know what to expect. I think initially in my head, when I think self-care, I think, um, oh, I'm going to have a candlelit bath or schedule a massage or have my nails done. And Whilst those are aspects of self-care, I, I don't really think that embodies what it truly means. Um, and I think the more the more you investigate self-care, the more you delve into yourself and what's important for yourself, how to recognize what are you doing for you versus what are you doing because society thinks you should be doing it or your parents think you should be doing it or the neighbors next door think you should be doing it. And it's quite a quite an interesting journey I've found. So what are some of the things that you've sort of discovered as you've gone about that journey about learning um, more about how I imagine yourself and to help others um, look at where they're where they are? I've learned so much in the last year. Uh, the thing that's popping to the top of my mind now is uh, one of the one of the talks at Agile 2019 was on therapeutic writing, which I'd never heard of before. And I've attempted journaling, didn't really go down that well. It sticks for like a week and then I get bored of it. Um, and then I can't remember his name. I think it was Toby came on and spoke to us about therapeutic writing, gave us a bunch of exercises to do. And the one was, uh, as an example, you're sitting on a bus and the only other people on the bus are all the different versions of yourself. So there's, there's you who's scared. There's you who's excited. There's you who's anxious. There's you who's angry. There's you who's super happy and dilly. There's you who's, I don't know, scared and crying in the corner. And you basically have to write about how you're going to move from chair to chair and have a conversation with all these different versions of yourself and what they say to you. And that was really enlightening. Um, and we did a bunch of these different exercises and I never realized 
I mean, I know how powerful the mind is, but I never realized how powerful it would be to actually have a conversation with myself on paper. Mm -hmm. And so since then, I've been doing that a lot more, just asking myself questions and letting myself kind of free write the answers to myself. And I'm pleasantly surprised by there's actually a really calm, intellectual person deep inside me that I just need to listen to sometimes. And what impact um, has that work had on um, you outside? I think the therapeutic writing really helps me keep calm and uh, think about things from a different perspective, not just the me, me, me perspective, even though I'm having a conversation with myself. Um, I've also done some other things like uh, I've been paying a lot of attention to what's important to me versus to others. And so I've changed jobs. I've changed the amount of hours I work. Uh, my wife and I have drastically cut down on how we live and how we tread on the earth because we want to live different lives. So whilst self-care was all about nurturing me and finding me again, it's actually had this huge impact on my life and on how I want to live my life going forward. So what would you recommend to somebody who is sort of on the infancy of the self-care journey? I think the biggest piece of advice I ever got was from Linda Rising. And she said, be kind to yourself. And that was it. And I was in tears because she's like Yoda to me. But she just said, just be kind to yourself. You're, you're doing an amazing job. You're here and you're trying to be get to be better and get better and do better. So just take it one day at a time and be kind to yourself. Wow, that, that's really awesome, impactful um, advice. Why do you think it's so important that um, we as Agilists and as women and as people uh, really start down that journey? I think what I notice when I'm around Agilists is that the stories we tell are of the people we help and of us giving. And as a coach, you're constantly listening with empathy. You're understanding what people are going through. You're doing a lot of work to understand different points of view and help people communicate and understand all of that. But we don't actually spend any time receiving any attention or love or having someone sit with us and go through all these things. We're really bad at having our own coaches to work through this thing. Um, I know very few agile coaches that actually have coaches. And we need an outlet because if we take on all these emotions and we take on all the stuff all the time, we end up just hurting the ones around us if we have no way of working through them mm -hmm. and talking to someone about them. So I think as Agilists, if you're, if you're in a position where you are giving a lot of yourself to other people, you need to pay specific attention to how much of that time are you actually giving back to yourself and having someone help you get better. 
And you've been giving back to a lot of us Agilists, um, particularly at Agile 2019 with the self-care track um, and helping us to find uh, ways that we can take care of ourselves. What was the most interesting thing um, within that track and as you were developing that track that you found? So again, I think the the track totally surprised me. Initially, when I set it up in my head, I was thinking that there would be maybe a quiet room where people could go and reflect and get away from the noise and bustle of the conference, that there'd maybe be meditation times in the morning, in the afternoon, that there'd be yoga sessions. <laughs> I'm laughing now because this is all what I thought self-care meant and what it was important important about it. But in order to get the track through, it had to function as a normal track that had submissions and talks accepted to it. And I was like, oh, I'm not so sure. I don't really know what to expect. So we put it out there. And I was just blown away. Firstly, I didn't expect that many submissions. We had, I think, over 100 submissions to the track, which was brand new. And in its first year, um, the talks varied from therapeutic writing to um, talks about sickness and health to talks about um, being yourself in the workplace and understanding diversity it was just spectacular. I, For the first time in my life, I decided I'm going to attend every single talk on the track. I managed to do that with the exception of two that were running at the same time. And I was honestly blown away. It was just amazing to hear about these completely different topics at an Agile conference that were still actually so important to being Agile. Yeah. So you've talked a little bit about the therapeutic uh, writing talk um, and how that's impacted you. Um, I know my favorite of the self-care talks, and I went to a few of them, was one that was just about breathing. Um, I never imagined that I could sit for an hour in a talk that was nothing about how we breathe and then doing some exercises and finding out that I breathe wrong, apparently, because there is apparently a wrong way to breathe. <laughs> um, what were some of the other talks that you found really impactful since you went to them all? Oh, wow. You're really calling in to play my memory. Um, there was one where you had to listen to the your body and speak to the parts of your body that were calling out for attention and thank them for being there and carrying you and in that way ease the pain that was in that part of your body. I found that totally fascinating. There was one on meditation that I've never been able to meditate properly, so I was quite keen to see what it was all about. And we did something, I can't remember what type of meditation it is now, but it's kind of a, there's a visual on the screen and it kind of moves with the music and you watch the visual and it is very trance-like. I'm pretty sure that if you really like trancey drugs and all of that, this is the meditation for you. It worked. It was bizarre how well it worked. Um, 
I really enjoyed the one where I think it was Nicola, where she told the story of what her Fitbit tracker had um, been showing her over the last few years of her life. And you could literally see her heart rate increase at the end of every sprint. So every two weeks, her heart rate would go up and spike. And she, I mean, she was like, I didn't even realize I was stressed. And here, here is this pattern that my Fitbit is showing me that I get stressed at the end of every sprint. It's not supposed to be like that. So those were, those were interesting ones to me. So I know that every one of these big conferences um, that I go to, I come out of it and I'm just exhausted and full and, you know, ready to hermit. Um, since you focused so much on all of the self-care world, I'm curious to know, was your conference experience and post-conference experience different because of that? It really was. I, uh, I very specifically decided I was going to not get overwhelmed by this huge five-day conference surrounded by thousands of people. And I, every morning I went for a walk or a run. Um, sometimes I did that with friends. Sometimes I just did it by myself. But I went out for an hour and just got outside, outside of the hotel building, which just seems so hard to leave sometimes. Um, so I got out a lot. I took a lot of breaks. I looked for, I think there was a Wednesday or something where I had most of the day free except for an afternoon session. And I just left the hotel and went, I went shopping, I went walking and I went and did other stuff. Uh, in the slots where I didn't have talks, I made sure there were plenty of those slots where I wasn't going to attend anything. I would find a quiet place and I'd read a book or take notes or I'd meet a friend and have a conversation. So I tried not to fill every single second with talks. I think it just gets too much. Um, I tried to skip lunch. I know that sounds really weird, but I find the lunch hall just too busy and too many people talking and just too overwhelming. So I would disappear to my room stay in my room for an hour and I'd come back the last like 15 minutes of lunch and just grab whatever was left over and then go off to a talk. So little things like that, I think saved me. I try to get to bed early every night with the exception of the party night on Thursday, which always ends up being a late night. As you do other big conferences, uh, do you think there's an impact in how you approach those now? Are you going to use similar tactics? I don't think there's, for me, there, there aren't any quite as big as the big Agile conference. Um, I recently attended Agile Prague. Uh, that was two days in Prague in Europe. And that was great. Um, I did the same thing, though. I didn't attend all the talks. I attended a few select talks that I was really interested in, but I monitored my energy as well. And if I was tired, I left. Um, I went down the road a few times to a pub and had drinks with friends instead of attending a session. Uh, I spent a lot of time just outside the session, sitting, drinking coffee, speaking to whoever was there. 
as we're sort of doing this, what are you currently doing to continue growing um, both in sort of your self-care and also as an Agilist? Uh, so as an Agilist, um, I've realized that what I really enjoy doing is helping people thrive and enjoy what they do at work. And I really mean helping people, helping individuals. So I prefer one-on-one -on -one coaching to team coaching to organizational coaching. So I'm working with clients now and weaving more one-on-one -on -one personal time with people to help them grow and be their best selves. I personally believe that if you can be your best self, then your team will be its best self and then the company will be its best self. Uh, in doing that, I'm also focused on being my best self, which for me means having a lighter footprint on the earth. And so I'm doing all sorts of weird and wonderful things like uh, we've bought a tiny house we're going to be moving into that shortly. Um, I'm busy doing a permaculture course so that I can learn how to grow my own vegetables and uh, focus on all of that. Um, I'm also doing other little things like uh, just this morning I was tweeting away and I noticed a new course pop up in my stream and it's all about story writing. And I'm very fascinated in how to tell stories in a way that people can understand and feel the passion in them. So I'm probably going to be doing a storytelling course in the near future too. Awesome. Is there anything that you're currently um, reading or watching that you're inspired by? I've recently finished um, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. And that was awesome. Um, I say recently, but it was probably about two months ago. But because of that book, I've changed a whole bunch of things in my life and started a whole bunch of small experiments. So highly recommend his book. Uh, what else have I read recently? No, that's the only one that's sticking out right now. <laughs> we read so many things and you're always looking for what's the thing that's going to have an impact that I'm going to remember what it is. So that's fabulous. So any final wisdom that you really want to share with um, our listeners? I think I'd like to leave them with, we're all amazing, kind, generous human beings, every single one of us. And I think the best thing you can do is realize that every single person you meet is an amazing, generous, and kind human being. And sometimes they're just not having a good day. And you could make their day that much better. And so you should. That's really awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Um, I'm really actually very inspired. Um, it's <laughs> awesome work that you're doing. <laughs> um, and I think something that we all need, because... We don't think a lot about ourselves or um, where our place is or why are we doing these? Who are we doing it for? Yeah, I think a lot of us get very wrapped up in the busyness of the world around us. Mm -hmm. And before you realize it's the end of the year and it's Halloween already or it's Christmas or and then all of a sudden it's, I don't know, Valentine's Day and Thanksgiving and another year has gone past. 
and we're just on yeah. a hamster wheel. Yeah. So taking that moment to pause is so powerful. So thank you very much for sharing that. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening to this episode of Women in Agile podcast. It is brought to you by the partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. We hope that you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or coworker about the podcast. Please go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiatives and find additional inspiring podcasts and conversations. Thanks for listening to this Women in Agile podcast episode. Find more inspiring conversations by visiting womeninagile.org slash podcast, checking out the podcast series on iTunes, or visiting your podcast application of choice. If you have an idea for a topic, speaker, or feedback on an episode, please reach out to us via email through podcast at womeninagile.org.